With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are live with the Standing Room Sparks podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Monday morning post-NFL draft. You just heard uh, some new intro music. Uh, we had to switch our platform over from Anchor to Megaphone. And with that, uh, we had to choose some new music. So I went through the old um, royalty-free catalog, found some good stuff there. Hopefully everybody likes it. Uh, send me a message or a DM if you hate it, I guess. Um, think about changing it. But new intro music there. Hope everybody appreciates that. Scott, it is Monday morning. We are here on May the 2nd. Uh, how are we doing? Doing good. Uh, the draft is behind us, which is always the best part of the draft, is when you don't have to read guessing analysts anymore. At least now... You'll you'll get the post draft wave of content right breaking down. Now everybody's got their new guys. They gotta feed the info to their their fans and everything. But at least it's real. Like you can Pittsburgh can talk about Connor Hayward and like whether he'll be a fit there, etc. But it's no longer like I have Connor Hayward in my mock draft going to Pittsburgh in the sixth round. Let's talk about what that would look like. So Well, don't forget get- the the 2023 mock drafts that are out already. <laughs> Man, some people just uh, love that part of it. Um, no, now it'll turn into off season. Right now we have the rosters. Presumably it'll turn into who's going to make the teams. And, uh, you know, are any of these quarterbacks drafted in this class going to start anywhere? And, uh, of course, win projections. How many games are we going to win? Got to update those now that we've got the the, the rookies in there. Uh, no, the, the carousel never stops turning, but um, I'm excited to have the draft behind us, cleanse the timeline a little bit of all the mock drafts and move on. Yeah, I the, I love the draft. So my, my draft weekend was Thursday night, watched uh, the whole first round live. Always love doing that. Friday, I was, I was sleeping during the draft. So uh, Friday morning... I or Saturday morning, I woke up and watched the whole that like a PFF has a live stream on YouTube. So the next morning I just woke up, I put it on like the 1.25 speed to just speed it up a little bit. 
If I watched the whole second and third round while I was kind of eating breakfast, getting the the weekend started, just as some background noise, and then Saturday, just kind of following along on the like CBS draft tracker. Um, even even I am not insane enough to actually watch day three of the draft in its entirety, but um, lots of good players selected. Uh, the Detroit Lions. We you know we'll we'll get to the Michigan State stuff. We don't have a too packed of an episode here, so we have some time. Uh, the Lions draft I thought was. Really interesting. I was watching with uh, my buddy Marshall uh, in the first round. Second pick comes on the clock. They turn the card in in what, like eight seconds it took them before the pick was in, which is how the first couple picks should go at NFL teams. Like you had four months to prepare for this and you're sitting on the clock for 10 minutes. Uh, The Lions turn that card in for Aiden Hutchinson. And it was one of those where, I knew it was going to be Aiden Hutchinson. I was trying to speak Kayvon Thibodeau into existence because I think he's just a better player, but I'm not mad about Hutchinson. He's good. He's not going to be a a bust. I think the bust rate for him is is really low. Um, So you you feel pretty decent about getting a, a solid player. It's not a draft with a bunch of generational dudes at the top, though making sure that you don't have a bust. I guess there's some value to that. And then you go ahead and trade up way up into the first round with the Vikings to get Alabama wide receiver, Jamison Williams. I don't love that. We, this was pretty contentious in the group chat, right? I don't love the pick, but I like the philosophy. Like I like the draft philosophy of being aggressive because it's something that the Lions have literally never done. And so I like that change of pace and saying, hey, we got a guy up there who we really, really like and we really want on our team and we have some extra draft picks to make it happen. Let's go do it. I love that. Now, the player that was selected, I'm I'm not sold on it completely, but uh, at the end of the day, I like the philosophy. I like the aggressiveness uh, another two first round picks next year. So you're not really sacrificing like too much uh, high value capital, if you will. So I thought it was a pretty solid draft for the Lions all, all together. They got some athletic project types at the end. This uh, the, the guy to keep an eye on uh, Rodriguez, I think that that Oklahoma State linebacker. I remember watching a couple Oklahoma State games last year and and just him popping off. And who's that dude? He's, he's a little short, but other than that, he's explosive as hell. I think he could be a really good player for us. But uh, any any overarching thoughts on the Lions draft for, for our Detroit Lions? Yeah, I'm kind of going through the uh, emotional transition around Aiden Hutchinson, right? I, I didn't really want to try to have to come to terms with it unless it actually happened, and here we are. So trying to uh, see where the happy medium is between – you know, despising a rival and uh, cheering on your hometown Lions for better or for worse. Uh, so we'll get there by the fall. Still some mixed feelings. Uh, Jameson Williams, I thought um, I kind of agree on on whether I think he is that dude. But uh, Campbell and, and Brad Holmes in interviews after the draft clearly thought he was was worthy of I, I think one of them said that they would have taken him a lot higher they would have given up a first round next year to move up to that same spot 
And really, when you look at it, they moved up 20 spots in the first. And I think they moved back like 10 spots in the second, right? And then they gave up a third. So I'm not an expert on draft trade value, but uh, it seemed like the general consensus was that they got a great deal to move up and get him. And they thought he was the best receiver in the draft. And they thought he was worthy of potentially being a top five pick. So in their eyes, whether you trust them or not, in their eyes, it was a great move. Um, Yeah. And and that was kind of the consensus too, right? And I don't want to follow too much of the consensus because the consensus is very often wrong, but a lot of people said Jameson Williams was the best receiver in this draft. And like you said, a lot of people looked at that kind of trade chart and said, damn, like the Vikings got fleeced here. They could have gotten a lot more for that, uh, you know, moving down 20 spots, like you said. So the general, you know, NFL community was pretty high on that. I saw somebody had compiled the post draft. So, you know, through seven rounds, the grades, you know, everybody has to give their grade of of the draft class but they compiled like 20 different analysts whether it was pff whether it was nfl network guys whether it was you know kind of um respected opinions i guess and the lions had like the third highest average grade so you know basically everybody loved what we did so that's always good but it is the draft so i i feel like you know, just people will look at, hey, they had two first round picks. They got two really good players. They get an A. Like, I, I don't think there's too much deep diving, even even among those top analysts into like, I, I really like this sixth round pick that they got. So I'm going to bump up their grade from a B plus to an A minus or something. I think it's it's pretty cut and dry a lot of the times. You got to remember, like when you're looking at a lot of of media coverage, I've realized this more over the last couple of years than in the past, is you you understand the deadlines and the things that these guys are working on. That's not just this is my opinion and I'm going to write about it. It's like, this is my opinion and I have to write about it. And also I have to do it before, you know, the Mr. Irrelevant pick is 30 minutes gone. Like the the deadline that my network is giving me is at 445 Eastern time. And, you know, I, I'm just going to throw a letter grade out there to make sure that I get it in before they need it. Like <laughs> I've realized that a lot more over the years of, you know, the there's a lot more value in the article that's written three days after than there is the article that gets published like 45 seconds after the draft ends. It's the same thing with like game recaps, right? Like when you have the recap of the of the game against whatever team and it comes out five minutes after the game ends, it's like there was very little fourth quarter analysis there because most of that article was already written by the time the fourth quarter came around. So that article that comes out on Monday, that's that's maybe a little bit more relevant. Um, being quote unquote a little bit in the business, started to realize how that all works. Yeah, it's uh, the content machine. Uh, so to wrap up Lions here, best and worst, no, your favorite and least favorite pick for the Lions this draft. 
my it, my least favorite is still Aiden Hutchinson because I think Kayvon Thibodeau, it's the same position. Like It's not like you're going to somebody from a different position and they just decided, hey, we need the pass rusher. I thought Kayvon Thibodeau, I don't understand. I got in a fight with somebody on, on Twitter. Of course, it was a Michigan fan. And it's impossible to take our rivalry biases out of it. But um, it was just, I don't understand how you watch those guys side by side. If you had a dual monitor set up and you put like YouTube Aiden Hutchinson on one screen and YouTube Kayvon Thibodeau on the other screen, and you just went back and forth, like you you watched like a minute and then you switched to the other guy and watched a minute and you went back. I don't understand how you would come away with the idea that Hutchinson is the better player. That said, again, like I don't hate it. I just I I don't I don't believe that that was the right pick there. Time will tell. We'll see a couple years down the line who was right and who was wrong. Uh and my favorite pick, I'll go with uh I'll go with Rodriguez since I brought him up here, the Oklahoma State linebacker. I think he's got a good shot to be a starter within the first two years of his career, even as early as this year. He's got a ton of experience. Uh, I think he was like a four-year starter at Oklahoma State, so there's not a whole lot that he hasn't seen. Oklahoma State, they play in the Big 12 now, which we we traditionally think of as like that spread offenses, five wide receivers, and there are a few teams who still play that way. So you know he's seen a lot of pass coverage snaps. Uh, but there's a lot of you got Kansas State in there, you've got Iowa State in there. Like there's a couple teams in the Big 12 who do like to kind of line it up and play basically Big Ten football. So, you know, he's seen it all there in four years. I think he's a guy who could see starting reps as early as this year. Uh on day three, I think we grabbed him. So I like that. How about you? Nice. I my least favorite, I got to go with their fifth round pick, James Mitchell. Nothing against the guy, but he's an H back, and Connor Hayward was still on the board. So, got to uh, stick with our He's guy. got two first names. So, <laughs> hard to compete. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought Connor Hayward was clearly the best H back on the board. I'm being semi facetious. I didn't actually really pay much attention to the H back board this year, um, but it would have been sweet. I think Connor Hayward with Dan Campbell would have been a match made in heaven, uh, but I digress. Favorite, I didn't, there's like I'm happy with this draft. There's nobody on the Lions board who I really like fell in love with. I'll go with Jamison Williams because he's an exciting skill player, right? So he'll be very visible, assuming he's on the field, assuming he can get healthy. And I think when you look at him and how he fits into a wide receiver room with a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown and DJ Chark. I think it's like perfect complementary pieces, right? You've got Williams taking the top off, St. Brown running underneath, and Chark kind of that outside number one possession guy. Um, I think it'll be exciting. I think the Lions offense is is really starting to put the pieces in place to be fun to watch. I think the defense, even if a couple of these rookies pan out, is is still in rebuild mode they still got some work to do so we'll see uh but give me jameson williams just because like i said he could he has the highest i think excitement factor um of the picks and the nfl draft was not the only event of the weekend although you know if you follow main media that's (laughs) nfl is king but 
The NBA playoffs were into the second round. I was watching Golden State Memphis yesterday. That is going to be such a fun series. Like for anybody out there, I'm not just saying this because of the ad read with DraftKings. If you're not really an NBA guy, you know, you you used to watch, but you don't like this new NBA. Like just if you're going to try to give it another shot, watch Memphis and Golden State. This is going to be a really fun series. Uh, John Morant is the most exciting young player in all of basketball. And uh, obviously Golden State with Steph Curry, with Clay Thompson, and with our guy, Draymond Green. That's going to be fun. I was watching yesterday. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is allowing us to have a little more fun with it. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win, get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet during the first round with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, place the same-game parlay each day with three or more legs and get up to $25 in free bets back if one leg doesn't hit. little insurance there from DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of playoffs, uh, second round of playoffs now, and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TPPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Uh, we're going to do a little draft sandwich here, Scott's, because we have a little bit of, of uh, Michigan State news to get to before the Michigan State draft picks uh, that went off the board and and the undrafted free agents as well. Uh, the only news really this week was the transfer portal. So May 1st, we, we mentioned this the last couple weeks, May 1st was the deadline for a player to enter his name into the portal to be eligible for the 2022 season. So May 1st has come and passed. That means basically from this point on, anybody who enters the portal is not eligible to play in 2022, which, you know, reading tea leaves would mean that there's like a serious problem that happened that they just really want to get out and they're comfortable sitting a year if need be. So I would be surprised if anybody else entered the portal from now until the season started. Now, we did have one final entry into the portal, which was Quaveris Crouch, the linebacker who was, I guess, like a one-year rental now. He came in via the portal from Tennessee, and he decided to enter his name. There was a little writing on the wall, right, that Ma'anauteote, he entered and then decided to come back. Technically, that door is still open for Crouch, but with Jacoby Winman from UNLV, with Aaron Brule from Mississippi State, the staff brings in two linebackers that are both starting caliber guys, and... You saw now two guys that were remaining on the roster say, I don't know what my place is here. Now Teote decided to come back. Crouch looks like he's going to be entering uh, and and actually leaving. The message boards will tell you that there was some uh, internal strife between Crouch and the staff. Nothing is confirmed. Nothing is reported. So we're going to leave that alone. But uh, as far as the player and his decision, Scott, like what stands out to you with Crouch deciding to enter the portal once again and uh, and leave his one year at, at MSU? 
Well, he his year at MSU was uh, up and down, I would say. I mean, he certainly found a place to play high-level football and by and large did a good job of that. Uh, but it never really felt like he fully gelled um, on the field. Then you can say what you want about off the field. I know there were some rumors I didn't pay too much attention to around just kind of what was going on with him in the program. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I hope he, he finds a good spot. But like I said, he just never really seemed to gel. And it's it's tough. I know you can say what you want about the transfer portal. It's tough to have a spot one year to play it almost the entire year and then have, and then be maybe in on the second line, if not the third line of the depth chart the year after that, Um, you could say what you want about perseverance and loyalty and all those common, you know, chides, but the end of the day, he wants to play football. He got used to being on the field and, uh, and that wasn't probably going to happen nearly as much this season. And uh, yeah, I mean, he made a decision, but, his time here, I would not say was a bust. I mean, he played good football. There were certainly moments, uh, head scratching moments while he was on the field, but there were also moments where he showed the athlete that he is. And uh, yeah, hopefully he finds a good spot to make a difference. Hey, wound up honorable mention all Big Ten by the media and the coaches. 75 tackles, started nine games. Like you said, it's certainly not like a bust. Again, we we talked about it throughout the year that there were just certain times where he looked kind of lost, where he wasn't really. Ge- you you mentioned it. They're just gelling with the system, with the players around him, and and finding his role on the defense. So, I don't know. I like. I don't want to say like it was a win-win year, but I think, you know, he played at a decent level to show whatever his next stop that there's something there. And uh, he helped Michigan State to an 11-win season. Like At the end of the day, we can't forget that he was a starting member of an 11-win season. Um, you can argue how much he helped, how much he hurt at certain times, but uh, he certainly increased the floor of the linebacker room. Like As much as I don't think he was an all-Big Ten type of player, I would have much rather had Crouch on the field than Noah Harvey if we're talking about like a full-time starting linebacker. So... Um, happy with his contributions, hoping for green pastures somewhere, no pun intended, uh, outside of East Lansing. We'll see, you know, continue to follow his career as somebody who came in as a five-star to Tennessee and now is heading towards his third stop. Um, this is just where we're at with the portal now. Um, college football, it's not quite college basketball, right? You notice like during the tournament that they're showing guys, they're highlighting guys who are on like their sixth team. Uh, I don't know if college football will ever get there, but yeah, hopefully uh, he finds a good landing spot. But that was about it. Like I said, I mean, the the portal is now, you know, we're, we're probably looking to bring in a guy, maybe two. I have to, you know, go sit down and sort through the scholarships and see how much availability we have. I know we certainly have at least one spot, uh, possibly two to fill throughout the summer, but it looks like as far as outgoing guys, that's it. So We will obviously bring that news as it comes along. But the big topic here today is our Spartans in the NFL draft and after the NFL draft. And in some cases, we will talk about the landing spots for each of our uh, players. We had Kenneth Walker go number 41 overall. That was an early second round pick to the Seattle Seahawks. Jalen Naylor pick 191 
mid sixth round pick to the Minnesota Vikings, Connor Hayward, late sixth round pick 208 to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and AJ Curie sliding his name right before Mr. Irrelevant 261 to the LA Rams. Uh, and then so far to this point, we have had Kevin Jarvis sign an undrafted free agent deal with the Detroit Lions. We saw Jacob Panishuk sign a undrafted free agent deal with the Washington Commanders. And we saw Matt Coughlin get a camp invite to the Chicago Bears. He's working his way through a tryout to try to get an undrafted free agency contract. So we'll start up at the top here. Kenneth Walker pick 41 to the Seahawks. I did not call this on the pod. Oh, I totally forgot to check where we were at in terms of our predictions, but on the podcast, I mentioned the, the Seahawks as a sleeper, um, you know, destination for Kenneth Walker. And then on Twitter, right before day two started, I said that, uh, he will be picked at the latest, pick 41 to the Seahawks. So I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit there. You have an opportunity with the next couple guys to pat yourself on the back, uh, Scott, if you so choose. But Kenneth Walker to the Seahawks. Initial thoughts, um, what was going through your mind when you saw that come across your TV screen or the timeline or however you're following? I think it is a perfect spot for Kenneth Walker. Um, I think the scheme is great. I mean, it's run heavy. He's going to get a lot of opportunities um their running back room right now is kind of a mess of they have like six guys on the roster already yeah. at running back but some of them are injured some of them were busts uh there's not a whole lot of competition at the top so he'll certainly be getting snaps whether he's the number one back there right off the bat or not i think remains to be seen but i think he has a pretty good shot doing what we know he can uh at getting that number one spot so just from a competition and available snaps perspective, from a scheme perspective, I think it is an awesome fit for him. Um, it's also, I don't know, it's it's one of the bigger brands. I think they're holding on to a lot of their kind of brand from their uh, Legion of Boom days, right? The couple Super Bowl runs they had. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great spot for him. And I think he'll thrive there. And we know what he can do. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he fits. Yeah, and following the draft, watching like NFL Network, watching the PFF live stream, watching the Draft Network, which is another they had a live stream going. They're a you know draft specific website. Um, I tried to bounce around and get some different opinions on it, and and watching it live. And everybody kind of said the same thing, and it's basically like if you follow the NFL. There's a whole devaluation of the running back over the last few years. And basically, everybody had the same conclusion where it was like, I don't think they should have drafted a running back, but if they did, this is a good one to take. Like, it, it is kind of like you said, it was a perfect fit. It's a team that wants to run the football. Kenneth Walker is really good at running the football. We talked about like the only really limitations right now were pass protection and you know, getting out in the passing game, that's not really what Seattle does. So it's a perfect fit from that sense. But uh, yeah, the only really negatives I saw were like, ah, they shouldn't have drafted a running back. But again, if they drafted one, well, this is a really good fit with them. So 
I was, I'll, I'll bring this up with everybody. I went after the draft to the Reddit pages of each of the NFL teams that drafted because they'll always do some post about this guy just got picked. And then you can see the fans like instant comments. Um, and, and with Seahawks, I went through. And first of all, I just want to, you know, give our, our regular shout out to Michigan State social media because it's unbelievable. Like half of the comments are, hi, MSU fan here popping in to tell you about how great Kenneth Walker is. <laughs> like Michigan State fans are are incredible. They're just popping into random uh, subreddits and Twitter threads to just, you know, jump in and, and guess up a guy. But I, I just wanted to highlight a couple of the funny ones that I saw, you know, that with Kenneth Walker, there was one guy who, you know, brings in the classic dad joke. I don't want a running back named Walker. I need runners and, and didn't really land. I, he got downvoted a couple times in that one. Uh, but my fun, the funniest one to me was uh, cyber shell X. Uh, but this was, this was my funniest comment because i think the whole devalue of the evaluation of the running back position it has gone way too far and this is the perfect example his comment is we probably have one of the best running back duos in football now but like uh <laughs> it's like you're acknowledging something <laughs> that sounds like a really good thing right we have one of the best running back duos in football but like, ugh. it's like, why are you upset about that? Just because the media has told you that you're not supposed to want a running back. Like, it's so funny. But yeah, I think he's got a really good shot at some early playing time. Like you said, uh, Chris Carson, who was their starter, he has a neck injury, which mm. from what it sounds like, I mean, there's a shot that he never plays again. Hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm not rooting for injuries. It, the injury has already happened, but hopefully he recovers. But, you know, that's just a situation that's really tough to gauge and then Rashad Penny he was a first round pick for the Seahawks a few years ago he has played like nine games in three seasons due to injuries so whether it's him getting on the field because he's just the best running back in camp or whether it's you know just they have dealt with a ton of injuries at that position I would expect him to make some noise as a rookie, uh, especially with him being the second running back off the board. They took him with, what's that, the seventh or eighth pick in the second round. Uh, they clearly believe he's an impact player. And, uh, you know, we saw him every game last year. We know he's an impact player. So I love that pick. I, I like the destination there for Kenneth Walker, a team that's clearly going to use him in the way that he should be used. And uh, that's that's really exciting for him. One name one, the Minnesota Vikings take Jalen Naylor off the board. I'm pretty sure you nailed this one, Scott. Yeah, I don't think I said I he was going to go in the sixth. Actually, I might have said he was going to go in the sixth round. I I don't know if I got every I, detail I, right. But I meant to go back and check. There there is a chance that you said 191 in the sixth round to the Vikings. All right. Well, we'll have to check that. For now, I know I got the team right. Uh, pretty psyched about that. I, I said, you know, he, he should find a place where he can get a lot of play action, long developing routes where he can put a couple moves on a guy and stretch the field. That's exactly what Minnesota's offense likes to do. So, yeah, shout out me. If you want to know why I thought that was a good pick, go back and listen to our last episode. Uh, and then Connor Hayward, I was definitely 
they were early on this. I said it was going to be Pittsburgh's last pick in the middle of the seventh round. They took him late in the sixth round, pick 208. So uh, right team, wrong pick. But again, I think that one, to be fair, I think probably 50 at least percent of people who were predicting (laughs) Connor Hayward to get drafted at all were predicting him to go to the Steelers. So I was kind of just rolling with the, uh, the punches on that. Um, you know, yeah, it's funny. So- the Steelers now have, I think I saw four sets of brothers on, yeah. on the Steelers right now. There's Watt brothers, there's Hayward brothers. Uh, so it's, it's like the Mark D'Antonio Michigan state teams yeah. where there's just brothers all over the field. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an awesome spot for Connor Hayward. You showed us a picture in our group chat of him and his brother, uh standing next to each other cam hayward defensive tackle i believe for for the steelers yeah and he made first of all connor hayward has way more of a baby face so that played into it as well but the two of them standing next to each other connor hayward literally looked like he was like 12 and getting ready for his freshman year of (laughs) high school and his brother was like his dad or something the difference is incredible and the fact that connor hayward is now an nfl football player standing next to cam hayward it's uh it's hard to believe cam hayward is a gigantic human being it's like you said it's connor hayward like he's pretty short by nfl standards but he's like 230 some pounds like he's not a small person but he looked like i posted that he looked like a scat back like it looked like the guy who just got drafted who's like the 4340 he just you know it, that's how big cam hayward is standing next to him um i was again scrolling through steelers reddit and uh there were there was a lot of controversy about this pick there were a lot of people who said like yeah i love the steelers making this pick go get cam's brother impact tight end i like you know his his role he could be that h back guy and then a lot of people said this is a waste of a draft pick it's nepotism and uh, my favorite was somebody posted a very sarcastic, you know, what a total waste of a sixth round pick. It could have gone towards a difference maker like other sixth round picks in the draft. And, you know, just sarcastically posting random sixth round picks that have, didn't even make a roster. And then, of course, you get the comment. Antonio Brown was a sixth round pick. Oh Tom Brady was a sixth round pick. <laughs> it's just like. Tom Brady I, I probably love... looked a lot like Connor Hayward when he entered the NFL in terms of baby face and being less developed, less refined, but yikes. Right. Yeah, but it's it's just hilarious. Like you're counting on the, the reason that you don't draft Connor Hayward is that well, you could have gotten the next Antonio Brown, but you just drafted this guy's brother. Like, <laughs> Did you just pass right, on man. Antonio Brown in the sixth round? Yeah. And then on the flip side, Jalen Naylor, my favorite comment on him was the opposite. It was the classic fan immediately talking himself into this is the best player available. Uh, We had Killer Penguin fans say, I watched a couple plays during the coverage on NFL Network. Gave me really Stefan Diggs vibes. (laughs) So the Vikings just got the next Stefan Diggs. And... uh, I posted this on Twitter that, you know, obviously sarcastically that Jalen Naylor um, or that that Justin Jefferson of the Vikings is going to be a really good wide receiver too to Jalen Naylor. And 
only got a couple of comments about it, but there were a couple people who just, you know, sarcasm was way over their head. And it's just hilarious. Like, I don't know who could possibly read that and say like, oh, this guy's being totally serious. And people commenting like, seriously, a sixth rounder? <laughs> Sparty. <laughs> it's like, all right, really, man? I feel like social so, media, media needs like a new font for sarcasm so you can yeah. distinguish. Like, I'm clearly joking. Don't take <laughs> it so seriously. Or social media just needs to get nuked and only restart. Yeah, but that's a different that's conversation. A, it's a different podcast. Join us on Sunday so, afternoons. On just kidding. I do like the fit, though. I think, like you said uh, on the pre-draft show, Naylor brings a deep threat to a run-heavy play-action offense. C- Captain Kirk, you know, Michigan State connection there with his quarterback. But the last pick of the draft, I told you before the draft that I would need 100 to 1 odds if I was going to take four Michigan four Michigan State players being drafted. And I said on there like specifically that if you gave me 80 to 1, I still wouldn't waste my money on it. And here we are, the Rams taking AJRQ with the second to last. He was almost Mr. Irrelevant. That would have been great, but uh, the second to last pick in the draft, AJR Curie. Um, I, I went to find some comments from Rams fans, but I think it was just too late in the draft. Nobody cared. Uh, there, was, there was really nothing worth noting there, but I was shocked. Are, are you as shocked as I was? Well, you get to the end of the draft boards, and I guess when you think back on how these teams approach the draft, right? Like the first three, four rounds, they're going to have like heavy profiles on everyone they think they could possibly take. And as you get down into the later rounds, the day three rounds, you're going to have teams kind of going in their own tangents in terms of what guys they're really giving a good look to. So you never really know if they say, you know what, we need offensive linemen. Let's watch all the offense. Even then, it's it's hard to, no offense to AJR Curry, hard to believe they settled on him. Um, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not shocked in the sense that the late rounds of the NFL are always a mess and you never know what's going to happen. But like you said, from our conversation last week, am I surprised AJR Curry was drafted to be an NFL football player? (laughs) Absolutely. I am. Uh, he had a great pro day, which we kind of laughed about on here because some of the, some of the measurements were like, gave you pause, but NFL scouts were there. Uh, I'm guessing the Rams had a scout there, so you can't say you know, they didn't do their due diligence. They clearly, obviously they liked something about the guy they drafted him. So maybe he's more athletic than, than we give him credit for. And he certainly got the size. So maybe they think they can uh, fine tune those, um, you know, the yeah the technique and, things and, and make him a, a useful player. And that's kind of backwards engineering it. Now that we know that AJR Curie was drafted, you can kind of look at it and say, all right, Six foot seven, that's, you know, check the box. Over 300 pounds, check the box. Decent athleticism, check the box. Plus, the last kind of note I know the Rams noted in their like post press conference stuff played left tackle and right tackle. So, you know, a lot of teams are looking for that potential versatility. A lot of times you can project a guy and say like, yeah, yeah, we could probably put him on the right side or on the left side. But if they've only played one 
before, you don't know for sure that you can just easily slide him over to the other side. Like I was listening to uh, some, I can't remember who it was. It was a former offensive lineman who made the switch from a left tackle to a right tackle. And they said, you know, when you're looking at it from the outside, you think it's really easy. Like it, it would be like a wide receiver just going across the formation and just going the other way. But he's like, it, it's really not, it's like teaching somebody who writes right-handed to write with the left hand. Like your mechanics are totally backwards. Everything feels uncomfortable and awkward because you're used to firing off of one leg in path protection or whatever, and you're just doing everything backwards. So it's, it's harder than it looks Right. But he's a guy you can see it on the film. You can see like, all right, this guy played both sides and maybe it wasn't perfect, but he at least looked like athletically comfortable doing both of them. So in a pinch, we have two backup offensive linemen and wrapped up in one. So I like seventh round pick. They're a little long. I don't even make the rust, but backwards engineering it. You can kind of see how it would make sense again. This is me after thinking that there was no chance in hell that four guys were getting picked. But um, that's it. I, I mean, like we said, Kevin Jarvis signed a deal with Detroit. Jacob Panishuk signed a deal with Washington. Matt Coughlin got an invite to the Chicago Bears minicamp. So no contract on the table. He's working his way towards that. Uh, and otherwise, as according right now, that's the only noise we have seen. I, I was saying, I think... Drew Beasley and Matt Allen were the two guys that I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, by the end of today, we see them get a camp invite or something, but I don't know. There, there isn't a, a whole lot of surprise of no Noah Harvey or, or no Drew Jordan or something like that to me. So um, hopefully these guys can go get a contract. Uh, we were just looking at this before. It's kind of funny because you think, like, oh, you know, I don't know, Kevin Jarvis, just keeping the dream alive. We know he's probably not an NFL player. An undrafted rookie free agent contract. If if you sign, if you get like a, a, a roster spot and get a contract because everything's slotted out now. So if you're the first round, eighth pick, you get this much money. If you're the second round, 28th pick, like you get this much money. An undrafted free agent gets three years $450,000 pretty good price that's a lot better than any other job you're going to get coming out of school so hopefully these guys can uh can do work in camp and and go get some money at least get paid for a few years before moving on to their next endeavor with uh with some money in the savings account right so uh anything else here that stands out about draft weekend uh before we move on next week we'll get back to more you know Michigan State content whether it's uh, recruiting or starting to preview next season. There's a long off season ahead of us. We're not going anywhere. We are still going once a week strong through the whole off season. So you will have your MSU football content covered, but anything else here before we get out of here on this episode? Well, your last note about the UDFA contracts brings up my question of the day. We need like a buzzer or something for that, but the question of the day question of the episode perfect all right we're gonna have to sound (laughs) like that uh if you got a call all right obviously put all of the unrealisticness aside i don't know if that's a word either um if you got a call unrealistic activity like today you're like hey they're like hey kevin it's dan campbell 
Draft's over. We got a spot in camp. Three years, half a million dollars. But you can't be a kicker. You have to play the field. You got to be, you know, kick return, not the actual returner. But, like, you're slamming into guys. Are you taking it? I'm guessing I can't be a punter either. No. If kicker's off the board. Okay. You're trying to be, like, a safety or something. Um. How much? Three years, four hundred fifty thousand. Like you said, uh, um, I'll give you health insurance because I feel like that's going to be important. <laughs> I will definitely need that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I'd do it. Like I would threaten my spine snapping in half, but sure, why not? I I would definitely do it. Like that's. That's a lifetime thing that I can always say I did. That's a lot of money in the bank. I mean, that's that's a half a career's worth of money for a lot of people made in just a couple years. So you put your body through some punishment. And uh, the problem for me is I've never been able to gain weight as, as efficiently as I would like uh, in terms of like building muscle. So that would be a problem for me when we're talking about going against NFL guys, but I'm like six, three, one eighty five, So I'm probably lining up at wide receiver. Um, I, I think if I trained for a few months, like I've, I've been playing lacrosse the last few years. So like I, uh, I have been running and sprinting at times. So it, it, I would just need a couple months to warm up, but I think I could give you like a four, eight, 40. Uh, four nine forty maybe, and I, I think I could give you a, a good camp body, a good uh, you know, practice squad body out there at wide receiver. Um, yeah, I'd do it. Why not? Nice. I can't imagine the anxiety, the stress before the first contact practice. Like you've got rookie oh, mini I'd be camp. Terrified. You've got <laughs> mini camp. You know, the first week or two is non-contact or just hands. And you're like, all right, so you're laying in bed. It's like 4 a.m., two hours before your alarm goes off, the morning of the first contact practice. And, and at this point, like you said, you've been like working out and doing padless. You know exactly what you're going against, like size, speed, athleticism. You've wise. seen them hit the tackling <laughs> yeah. dummies. You've seen them get a little you've seen too them in the weight room on a couple plays where they took a guy to the ground. Uh, and it was effortless. And you know, you and your four nine forty running up the sideline, <laughs> waiting for a teardrop to fall into your lap while the safety's <laughs> coming over the top. That's your future for the next apparently three years, uh, according to this contract. So you've got you've got the best medical staff that money can buy in an NFL training room. So I would certainly you know, be there's reading that. the fine print of the short and long term disability. Benefits. I almost think the best strategy is like day one, break your femur. <laughs> like just out just, just eliminate, yeah, and eliminate the head trauma for the year and just be like, all right, well, I got a broken leg, but I'm getting paid a lot of money to rehab a broken leg. I can do that. I've broken a lot of bones. If I can just avoid the brain damage, that's where it comes into play. So just break a femur your, day one. <laughs> you parlay your one year of uh, practice sideline experience into uh, a coaching gig and then you just coach the rest of your career <laughs> and never take another hit there it is that's the strategy 
All right. Now I'm just waiting for Dan Campbell to call. And then the, the rest there will fall is. into place. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get out of here. Hope everybody enjoyed the draft weekend. Let us know uh, on Twitter, Facebook, wherever, what you thought about the guys getting picked, about the landing spots. A um, couple like fantasy guys, right? Like we do dynasty fantasy football. Maybe Jalen Naylor is a as a late round rookie draft pick for you. Or or where's Kenneth Walker going in fantasy drafts next year? That's going to be something we'll have to talk about. But a lot of off season ahead of us. We got a lot of stuff planned. So make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you are with us. And uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing you again next week. So until then, go green, go white. Take care, folks.